Jesus, we're so grateful for your kindness. Your kindness that leads us to repentance. Thank you because you know us. You know who we are. You know how we're coming to you. So I pray, may you meet us. And when we hear your voice, may we not harden our hearts. Speak to us for the sake of your name. Amen. Uh, would you please remain standing, but show some love to the band as they go take their seats. Uh, this morning we're going to be in John chapter 19. And we're going to read from verse 28. And the word of the Lord says, After this, Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, said, to fulfill the scripture, I thirst. And a jar full of sour wine stood there. So they put a sponge full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch, on a hyssop branch, and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave his spirit. Jesus, you're the Lord that knows defeat, but didn't say defeated. So we come to you. Holy Spirit, may you minister to our hearts. We come bare. Amen. Would you please take your seats? Uh, if we haven't met yet, my name is Pastor Yami, and I get the honor of pastoring Flat Blante. And it's always awesome to come to this city because I love this church, but I'm not sure about the construction site what this, of this city. Because you drive through this city and it's just a construction site. And I'm like, you guys love this. You just love building. And you put all of us under pressure when we come, thinking, should we be building in Blanta? Like, should we be building? So always honored to be here. But my job... This morning is simple and tough because we're going to talk about defeat. And defeat is a very complex thing. So I want to come with the awareness of, for a lot of us, we're sitting at a place where defeat is something we are in. A lot of us are being, a lot of us are in places where we're feeling defeated. A lot of us have faced defeat. A lot of us, our lives have known more defeat than any other thing. So I want to come to this conversation from that place, aware of that. And aware of how failure, defeat, and pain changes you. I want to be aware of that. And I want to give you permission that it's okay. If you're where you were not planning you'd be in this life today. It's okay. If life has been really rough and tough and complex, that people like me don't understand, it's okay. Welcome to church, amen? Because today we're going to take a fresh look at our Lord, who in this moment of this passage was going through a public defeat. If you ask everyone that was in this moment, if you ask the soldiers, this is the moment the Son of God was defeated. If you like asked 
his mom and her friends. Oh, defeat. The disciples were not even there, a bunch of them. Because they're like, the, the guy has been defeated. Maybe Soda said, that vision sounded good, but it was not true. Like when you think about defeat, I want you to know your Lord and Savior went through it. So we can together say, come to him all who are weary and are heavy laden. Because he, only he can give you rest. Because he's been there. Because he has been defeated. So I want to come to that. But if we to go back to say, what does defeat feels like? I think each and everyone in here can tell me something. But all of us, we know that defeat feels like a sense of failure or a loss. That is so many times accompanied by so many other feelings, including disappointment, including sadness, including frustration. And a lot of us, we are frustrated by so many things. And people know us as a person that's always frustrated because they don't know the story behind that frustration. Because that's the thing with defeat. Defeat has a story. There's a storyline. People might see the, the emotion they experience when they're with you. But you know, deep down, there's a, there's a thing that's caused you to get to that place. So I also want to be aware of that. That this feeling of disappointment, the sadness, and, and you're always sad. And people are like, why are you always sad? Can't you be happy? Can't you... Should be, you know, you should be a little bit happy. And people that don't know how to sit with people that are going through tough times want to move you to a happier place because that's comfortable for them. Amen? So they move you there. Can't you just be like, man, they also have been through so many things. And because I've been through so many things, you can also fight this. Defeat feels like a heavy weight on our shoulders. A friend of mine described defeat to me like this. I was like, dude, it's like I'm on a railway tied and the train is coming and there's nothing I can do about it. Ooh. And for some of us, that's just Monday. <laughs> that's completely just Monday. You're like, oh, it's another day, man. Like, and I'm honored. To know so many of us that have similar stories, because I have my similar story. Uh, in, in 2020, I, I told Humphreys that I was going to quit 2020. And not because of COVID. Life was just tough. And I'd gotten to the end of my life. Where it felt like, and this was now my experience, it felt like I was meat in the grinder being turned into minced meat. That was my, and I didn't have faith. I didn't think I had faith enough to pray, to trust in the Lord. I didn't even want to have faith. Because it was so painful, faith felt useless. I felt like, why, why should I have that? Why should I go through that? And to be real, if I did not take the sabbatical I took, a lot of you guys remember Pastor Emery went on a sabbatical. If I didn't do that, I would not be here today. That's just it. It was so. I was defeated in every way. And 
I didn't even have the ability to open my eyes. Not even to see. I didn't want to open my eyes. I didn't want to trust in the Lord. Because I felt like the Lord was like, hey, come to me. I am with you. And he was not. That's what it felt like. That's what it felt like. But that's not what it was. Because the fact that I'm here is because he was with me. <laughs> so this complex reality of defeat and failure, guys, it's, it's real. It's life. And life has done so much to a lot of us that we have made it here because we don't know what else to do. This is a rhythm we are able to do. So what, what if we just show up to church again? You, like, if it was according to you, you wouldn't show up here. Just that you'd be home wasting some time. So you're passing time here at church. And so again, welcome to church. Amen? Welcome to the Lord and the King of Kings who's able to see and receive death and go to the deepest of deep. So when you get there, he's the Lord that says, I was there. So we open to this reality of Defeat just feels crappy. You agree? Failure is just like, why does it, why does this, this even exist? Shouldn't life be better that Jesus is no longer in the grave? And for some of us, defeat has led us to a lot of things. Some of us self-doubt. Uh, my therapist says this, so, so yeah, part of my process to get out of whatever crappy place I was, I had to go to therapy. Amen? So whatever you think about therapy, I go to therapy. Hello. And my therapist had this uh, word, add, so the automatic negative thoughts. It's like, you know, every time you get up, you already have automatic negative thoughts. You don't have to even work hard. They're there. You get up, it's like, boom. What am I going to wear? Why are you even wearing clothes? Like, dude, shut up. You know, like, oh, what am I going to eat? Why do you always eat this? That's why your weight is like, whoa, 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 dude, just automatic negative thoughts. You don't try hard. Oh, this business idea, like, why do I even have that business idea? You remember yeah, the last business idea you have? And for those of you that are married and are dudes, you're like, you have a million ideas that you want to share to your wife? But you know, the last three million ideas didn't go anywhere. So like your automatic negative thoughts are like, oh, bro, you're about to do it. You're about to do it. Just, just, just stay quiet. And a lot of us, we know that reality. Raising kids, it's a complex science. There's so many books that don't agree. And all the books in 10 years will be wrong. Because in 10 years, there'll be another different generation that will have different things that we all look like we are horrible parents. Just like our parents thought they were horrible parents, and their parents thought they were horrible parents, and their parents' parents thought they were horrible parents, and everyone thinks they are horrible parents, so we all have automatic negative thoughts at the end of the day. That we can sit there, we can be in that place, we can completely be in places where we just feel like we are not enough. Defeat speaks to our faces, looks us in the face, and says like, yo, you can't do this. You're not enough. You're not worth it. You're not. And a lot of us, we have to face that every morning, every day, every evening. Like before you go to bed, there's defeat almost waiting for you on your bed. Before you even make your cup of tea in the morning, defeat is there like, ah, oh, you're here again. Before you open the office door, defeat is like, 
I'm here. I didn't leave. Defeat. Can make you question your abilities, your self-worth. And for some of us, has led us to just withdraw, man. We just, it's better to not deal with people. So we flourish there. I'm like, oh, they're just quiet. They're like, no, I'm actually not quiet. I used to be an introvert. Then I did life with people. And people are work. And every time I do stuff with people, I just feel not enough, not worth it. I'm continuously feeling defeated. Defeated. Defeat can be suffocating. Because defeat, again, is a story, man. It's a story you can trace to your grandparents, to, to my dad's weaknesses, to my granddad's weaknesses, to all these other things, man. Like, a lot of us have had to do so much work because the defeat we are suffering now looks like the defeat someone in our family of origin has had to deal with. So we're like, maybe I'm just like this. Maybe there's no help for me. Maybe this is where I end up. Defeat is a story. So much connected to so much of our lives. And it can be tough. It can be rough. Because it speaks to so much of our lives, including places we haven't given defeat permission to go. If you just go, oh, I can use this room as well in your life. Oh, I can get this far. Oh, I can. You're about to write a contract that's going to completely change your life. Defeat is sitting next to you like, yo, bro, I know you can do this, but just for three months. Your brain is like, no, I think I can do this for the next 10 years. And defeat speaks to you. Defeat. I don't know about you, but for me, defeat came from a few places. One, temptations. The Bible says no temptation that says man except what is common to man. And in every temptation, this is going to provide a way. And then the Bible says as well that in every temptation, God has given us a grace to say no to sin. So if you ask me, I know the grace is there. I know temptation is common. But I've given up my life to a lot of temptation. A temptation has consequences. And connected to that, that temptation that can end up being a public mistake has consequences in the public opinion. And the moment it gets there, there are people that will always remind you of what you did. You remember that one thing you did 15 years ago? Yeah, this is who you are. And that's why I always say, that's why council culture likes it. You find something someone did 15, 20 years ago, and they pay for it today. Now, there are things that I agree to with that, and there are things that I don't. I agree to if there, if there was abuse in your past, there need to be consequences all the time. I think that's where I'm at. It's maybe where I need to be challenged, but that's where I'm at. That's just it. Yeah, if we don't cross that line. But our defeat came from our temptations. And some, some of that defeat is not from... Oh, we gave into temptation. But we look at other people's lives, our siblings, that have done well, and we compare our lives to them. We're like, oh, this is a bad reference. I'm not where they're supposed to be. 
Some of us, our cousins, and you've heard me say, our cousins are like almost God's provocation to you can do better in my brain. That's how I treated my cousins. I gave them that place that they didn't deserve. Every time I look at my cousins, I go like, oh man, I could do better. So you're trapped in competition. You're trapped in trying to outdo people that are not even thinking about you. And you're tempted and, and you feel defeated. For some of us, we just relationally defeated. For some of us, temptation, public mistakes was not what led us to feel defeated. For some of us, it was growth. It was time to make different choices. And when we made different choices, it came with consequences. And we wanted to grow. And the people that were abusing us at that workplace didn't want us to, to leave. So they made it extra harder. And we feel defeated. We are feeling defeated. Or we felt defeated. For some of us, it was just conflict. When we decided to stand up for something, or someone decided to stand up for something, and we were the ones causing it, it just became painful, and we felt wounded and destroyed. And for some of us, and, and I always have to say this, and this is a complex conversation, but for some of us, just hidden abuse, that we've been through some very abusive things, we don't even want to talk about it. We don't even want the pastor to talk about it. Because most of the times we pastors don't even know how to talk about it. And so you might be here. Like an abuse has just left you paralyzed and wounded and destroyed. And people have taken advantage of you. And you still don't have words. And every visit to that thing is hard. It's because, yes, failure, defeat, pain complex things. They're complex. So what do you do when you're defeated? Where do you go when there's been a relational defeat? When there's a financial defeat? When your career is so complicated? When you have tried and hoped and prayed and you've done everything in the book and you st you're just there and life is there and defeat is just there. It's like a mirror. Just look, you're just looking at this and you're seeing yourself with all this. What do you do? And I'm going to just say a simple phrase. You go back to what is true. And we're going to visit that. But I said, you go back to what is true. Because when you do not do that, you find other means to cop to that defeat. You find other means. And I have to say, if you are here and you're, you're a recovering addict like me from the past, or you're present, a lot of people see our addictions, right? Right? They don't see the story. You, they don't see the promise that one thing gave you when nothing you could touch could give you. They don't see the numbness from the reality that was so catastrophic in your face, was pushing on you. They don't see that. They just say, oh, that this, this idiot is an addict. That's what they see. But you know, deep down that struggle, there's a deeper struggle you were just trying to get relief from. You just wanted a break. So if you are here, welcome to church, amen? Welcome to a savior who knows what it means to be defeated. So there's a story to that. 
And the thing with whatever we use to cough does is it works up until it doesn't. <laughs> All the time. It works up until it doesn't. That drug will work up until it doesn't. That sex addiction will work up until it doesn't. That overspending will work up until it doesn't. That cutting people off, withdrawing from everyone, it will work up until it doesn't. All these things work up until they don't. And the only way you move from there is if it's a deeper pursuit of the same things to get the same through you and protection so you can once again feel like, okay, everything is okay. I've forgotten my pen and I'm fine and it's going to be okay. So if you're here and are suffering defeat, or you feel defeated, I want to remind you of these three things that we see in that passage. But as we're going there, I want to share a quote that was quite helpful from a book called Confronting Christianity uh, by Rebecca McLaughlin. And she says, Jesus is no remote deity watching suffering from a safe distance. He is the God who inhabits our suffering. And I want you to sit with that. Jesus is no remote deity watching our suffering from a safe distance. Saying, oh, that that looks tough. Oh, that's complicated. I don't know what that looks like. No. He is the God who inhabits our suffering. So in Christ, you have a Savior and a King who when you hit rock bottom, he's been there. So when he says, come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest, we're repeating that. He has been there. And he will give you rest. Because he's hit that place. So what are these three things that we see in this story? It's just a reminder that Jesus knows how the story ends. After this, Jesus, knowing that all was finished, said to fulfill scripture. I love that. I thirst. And when Jesus had received the sword, he said, it is finished, and bowed down his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus, knowing that all was now finished, Jesus knows. Like, if there is a moment Jesus should not have known, this should have been the moment. Like, okay, Jesus, you're dying, but are you sure you're going to really resurrect? Like, are you sure the power of the Holy Spirit is powerful enough to bring your dead body back to life? God, are you sure this is going to go through? Are you sure this is real? Shouldn't the 10,000 angels come now? Shouldn't they just show up now? This is, a not, this is a moment, Jesus. Knowing that it was all finished. Jesus said these words. That's a comfort to us. Because pain, defeat, feels like the end of our lives. To the point that a lot of us fled with ending our lives 
Because that's how defeat feels like. But in Christ, you find a Lord that knows, even at the moment and point of death, that this is not how the story ends. It doesn't end with me defeated. It doesn't end with Jesus in the grave. That's not where it ends. So when you're walking in that valley of the shadow of death, that's not where the story is ending. That's not it. And a lot of times, because that's the only thing we know, we can see further than that. You're in a tunnel. You can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I know that they did a song back in the day. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. You don't care. Because when you're in pain and you're defeated, there's no theological punchline, no philosophical punchline that can get you out of there unless Christ in his power and grace gets you out of there. And, and that's, that's the reality. And you see that even when Lazarus had died. The sister of Lazarus comes to Jesus like, Yo, Lord, if you had been here, this guy would not have died. And Jesus has, has a conversation with her. And it ends with, don't you know I'm the resurrection and the life? One of my favorite statements. Don't you know I'm the resurrection and the life? It's like, yeah, I know. He's going to resurrect at the end. And Jesus is, just does something that, in my head, he, sh he should not have done that. Because in this moment, Jesus knew how this story was going to end, right? He knew he was going to resurrect this guy, right? The easiest thing was for him to even just show up early. This guy would not have died, according to Mary. Okay, so Jesus has showed up. Do Just go into the ro room, because you know what you're going to do. You're going to resurrect this guy. Just go do it. Jesus does not do that. He allows moment for conversation. That's my plague too. Hey, have conversations with people, man. <laughs> I'm just saying. I know I'm butchering that. I'm isolating right now, but God forgive me. I'm just saying conversations are important. Have conversations with people. But what I'm getting at is this. Jesus knew how the story ends. But Jesus sat with Mary in her grieving. Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. He was going to resurrect Lazarus, but he allowed a moment of weeping with Mary to happen. A lot of us, we think when we come with our grieving, our pain, our frustration to Jesus, he's going to ignore us. No. In Christ, we have a high priest who knows what it means to be human. He does not bypass that. You know how I'll bypass some deep things that you tell me? Jesus will not do that. Even though he knows what he's going to do, he sits and whips with her. Even though he knows how the story will end, he sits and whips with her. So today you can sit and weep with Jesus. Amen? Because he's a savior that truly knows where you are at. He's not stranger to defeat. He understands the complexity of defeat and when you can do anything. And another thing is Jesus knows scripture has to be fulfilled. Everything will fail. The glass withers. The flowers fade. But the word of the Lord stands forever. One. Two. The word of the Lord will accomplish what God has sent it forth to do. Boom. When it comes to Jesus, even at his moment of death, he knew scripture was going to be what? Fulfilled because he has exalted his word and his name above all things. It has to be fulfilled. It has to be fulfilled. So even in the moment of your this is a valley of the shadow of death. Do you know what is true? 
his word. When he said in Matthew, when they gave the gospel that this good news will get to the rest of the world and I'll be with you to the very end. Jesus promises his presence continuously to the point that even when you are faithless, I say this to myself all the time, even when I am faithless, he remains faithful because his faithfulness is not bound to my righteousness. It's bound to the righteousness of Christ. My right standing with God has nothing to do with my skills. It has everything to do with the finished work of Christ on the cross. So Jesus knows all scripture has to be fulfilled. And God is working in all things. Now, you may not agree with me on this next point. But I just want you to stay with me. Stay with me. When you go through a hard thing, if you're like me, you always think God is punishing you. So let me say this. God is not punishing you. Consequences of behavior is not punishment from God. I'll say that slowly. Consequences of our behavior are not punishment for God, from God. Why do I say that or where do I take that from? Is because the sacrifice of Jesus was enough for God. God does not look at what Jesus did on the cross as not enough for the need for you to add in a punishment. God in heaven is not like, okay, son, you rose from the dead, but these people are being idiots. Let's add this. No, the consequences of my behaviors, which are many, which I'm still dealing with them, are not punishment from God. Because Jesus already died on that cross as the addict. He did. And he gave me the cloth of righteousness. So my right standing before God for my past, present, future sins is on him. <laughs> it's on him. Let me remind you of a story that all of you guys know. A dude on the cross. People are mocking Jesus, da, 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 da. He doesn't say a prayer, doesn't read the Bible, doesn't study anything. And he just looks at Jesus and says, hey, to, like, would you remember me? And like, there's no evidence of faith, there's no fruit of the Spirit, there's no giftedness that we can point our finger. And what does Jesus say to that? Today, you are with me. Like, at least give him the Nicene cream. He should memorize it. So that when they ask him, why are you in heaven? It's because I believe in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Da, da, da. Like, give him a list, Jesus. Alistair Berger says, that guy in heaven probably says, why are you here? When people ask him, he let me. And that he let me is even today for you who is a well-thought Christian who knows better. It is still true for you. That you're covered not because you know better. You're covered because of the full, complete, finished work of Jesus. And that's the gospel. Keller says the gospel is not the ABC of our faith. It's the A to Z. This is all you know. This is all you build your life on. This is all you cultivate for the rest of your life. You're knowing the gospel and the power of the resurrection and the implications of it in your life. That's it. So God is not punishing you. Do the consequences suck? Oh, man, the consequences suck. I don't like them. I don't want them. Is God punishing me? 
if Jesus is not enough, yes. But if even Jesus believes it's finished, then God is not punishing me, and I can say that. And the last thing, in Jesus' prayer, to you I give my spirit. I love that, man. Jesus gave the deepest of who he was to God. In a moment of deep pain, deep embarrassment, complicated failure according to everyone I was watching. In a moment, Jesus says what? I give my spirit. I surrender to you. Jesus surrendered in his lowest moment. So in your lowest moment, you can surrender to God. And I know the trick is in my brain, in my lowest moment, to cover myself, to find a way of covering myself, to wiggle out some kind of thing. So I get out of this crappy feeling and I look like I got everything together. In my lowest moment, is I cover myself. I look like a good Christian and a good pastor. So you guys feel like you have a good pastor. But in Jesus, I can come to him. Because in Christ, there is now no condemnation for those who belong to who? To Christ. As we have multiply said in this building, that even when people condemn us and mock us, Especially you, brothers and sisters in Christ, may you please not be the accuser of the brethren because that job is already designated to the devil. Accuser of the brethren. It's not your job. It's not, he, he's very qualified. You're not even qualified even a little bit. That's his job. So surrender so God can bring us life and bring you life in those deepest places. Now, three minutes. I'm going to go on this thing. You're allowed to not agree with me in the next three minutes. You're very much allowed to just go like, oh, this guy mumbled something. We all talk about how Jesus suffered physically, right? He died on a cross. He nailed peace hands and all these sour things. But have you ever thought about the maker of the universe, Colossians 1, all things were made by him and for him. Da, 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 da. You go to Ephesians and Galatians, we were created for good works, prepared for us before time. And you go to Peter and all these beautiful things about Jesus prepared for us. Can you imagine that savior, that king on the cross, he could call 10,000 angels, he could just stop that moment, he could Thanos us and everything will restart. He could do whatever he wanted, but he did not. Can you imagine the emotional pain? Oh, let me not call it emotional pain. The emotional struggle from that. That's why I still struggle. I can bring my depression to Jesus. You can bring your depression to Jesus because it's the Lord that knows what it means to be in a place that's complicated. He knows. He fully knows. To the point that the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as someone that grieves for us. Praying with grieving. Kubula. Yeah? Like I don't even have words. It just mumbles and grieves. Just like you do. 
and the Holy Spirit is all-knowing. He knows all things in the heart of God and in the heart of man, but still chooses to just grieve for you. Can you see the immensity and almost the permission for you to fully come to God the way you are at with what you have and what you're feeling? Because Christ. Because Christ. So think about that. On the cross. Why have you forsaken me? Uh huh. Does that sound familiar? God, why have you forsaken me? Am I alone? My father, my father. <laughs> so you, when you hit that, he's the Lord that already has been there and you can trust him. In the deep of defeat, you find Jesus in you. The Lord who, when he died, went to the deepest of deep. So even there, you can have deep communion with him. That even there, you can have have deep communion with the Savior that's been there. The Savior that knows how it means to be there. The Savior that has been through pain. The Savior that has taken disadvantages from people he could have destroyed. Just like some of you have taken disadvantages from people that are less than you in your head because you're a little bit their boss and they've dropped the ball and you could have done something about it, but you're suffering the consequences. Complex. And this story doesn't end there. It ends at the resurrection. And in the words of Caleb, the resurrection changes everything. Not some things, not just what you want. The resurrection changes everything. Meaning because Jesus rose, you're no longer your defeat. Come on, look at me. I know this is uncomfortable. Hey, look at me. You are not your defeat. You are what Jesus has done. For you on the cross. He's not in heaven trying to figure out how to save your life. God is not in heaven panicking because you're feeling defeated. You're an overcomer. Not because your situation looks like things have been overcome. But because he's no longer in the grave. So you can trust him with your fear. You can trust him with your anxiety. You can trust him with your disappointment, with your distress. You can trust him with the fullness of you because he's a savior in his last deepest painful moment who said, my father, I give you my spirit. So in your deepest moments, you can say, God, I give you everything I am. He's no longer in the grave, so you can trust him. Let us pray. God, we know it is true that you're with us and you're committed to being with us. You're not punishing us and you're not forgotten us. As we see it as people that are downcast, commune with us. We surrender our pain and our fear and run to you, a God of our hope and a God of our kindness and healing. You are good to us. You're good to us. When you're on the cross and people say, do something. You did. 
but it looked like defeat. But that moment made us conquerors. So we're more than conquerors in you, Jesus. And that's our truth. But our pain is speaking louder. So help us surrender. In Jesus' name. Amen.